Okay. Uh, hey, hey, so we are on um, episode six, actually, and uh, we have a very, very special guest. Tiffany, thank you so much for making the time for joining us and uh, coming to speak to us today. Thank you for having me, Bronco. It's a pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. And Tiffany, maybe we kick it off with uh, just kind of how you got to this point today, uh, leading your company and um, anything uh, that, that you'd like to share and, and introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of Outreach Grid. And what we do is we make uh, a coordinated entry platform, basically a data platform that's available on iOS and on web for agencies that directly serve the homeless uh, so that they can collaborate with each other on one platform, communicate with each other on one platform. Um, and surprisingly, they everyone uses very disparate systems right now to try to coordinate services for people experiencing homelessness. And so having everything on one platform allows you to seamlessly uh, make reservations for a shelter bed, for example, to see all the landlords who are prepared to uh, list their properties for rent, for example. Um, and how we got into this uh, problem of homelessness, of tackling homelessness through a data perspective, um, is I was actually back in San Francisco, um, my hometown, and I was working at a company called Instacart. And at Instacart, uh, it, it was my first job, uh, really, out of college. Um, and uh, I was back in my hometown, and I saw that you know homelessness was a, a huge problem. And this was back in uh, 2015, 2016, um, there was a lot more street homelessness. It was very uh, sad, <laughs> very upsetting for me um, going back to see that that had happened. Um, but the city itself had changed quite a bit in the since the time that I was there. Um, a lot of startups had moved in. A lot of big company, big tech companies had moved in. Um, things in general went up in price. Um, gentrification happened. Uh, in different parts of the town. And then you start seeing people who uh, couldn't afford to stay in the city start either leaving or um, falling through the cracks. And so uh, I, what I came back to after university was uh, a city that was struggling to keep up with the people who fell through the cracks and trying to help them get back on their feet. Um, and I had, I was, uh, a, uh, you know, working at a tech startup. I also put myself through a coding bootcamp, which we can talk about uh, maybe later in, in the interview, um, to learn how to code. So I, I took the, uh, the few skills that I had to try to find problems that were interesting to me to solve. Um, and at the time, homelessness was definitely a huge thing on my mind. Um, and we got connected to different programs, um, and maybe we can dive into those in a bit, um, that that uh, allowed us to get connected to cities and start building solutions with them uh, side by side. And Outreach Grid was born from that kind of process. So many things to uh, dive in, Tiffany. So let's 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 do it, right? That's why I love uh, I love this in our conversation. So um, maybe uh, maybe walk us through um, you know the start of the journey, right? Like you are at at, at Instacart, you see this problem, but you're still in in your role, doing well, you know, surrounded by by great people. Um, kind of what was that what was that trigger or what was going through your mind that that made you that compelled you to take this leap and and take things a step forward yeah so I was working at Instacart and I actually 
um, during that time, I had uh, done night school um, at a at a place called General Assembly um, to learn to do some uh, backend web development. That was the course that I took. Um, and my impetus for uh, taking that course was back in university, I had tried to uh, do my own startup coming out of coming out of school. Um, and one of the coming from a, a background of mostly like science research, my, my, my BS was in uh, neuroscience. Um, so we didn't have too many uh, opportunities to learn to code. But uh, one of the first things I, we tried to do um, coming out of university and my friend came up to me and said, hey, do you want to start a business together? Uh, we're, we're noticing that um, there's a lot of kids being bullied online. Let's make a safe haven for them to um, communicate and learn to uh, talk to each other and then also be able to connect to their counselors and make a platform to do that. Um, and, you know, we could fathom the idea, we could fathom the, the design of it, we could think of the business structure of it, we could think of how to reach out to schools to implement this. The thing that we couldn't do, neither of us, was, was code um, and actually build the platform um, uh, from scratch. So that was one of my major learnings uh, coming out of that experience was I got to learn a code, I got to learn to um, be able to make my own product if I want to do this again. And so when I got my first job, I took whatever little savings I had, put myself through this night school and um, learned to code. And I started doing that more and more. Um, I started applying uh, programming into my work more and more uh, at Instacart and then eventually uh, became um, a software engineer from a data operations role into a software engineer role. Um, and I had like a lot of mentorship during that uh, during that time. A lot of people who supported me, a lot of people who vouched for me that you know this person can do it. Gave me little tasks here and there to uh, build up my experience working with a larger code base. Um, and at the time, this was still when Instacart was fairly. We were working in in a house. We were working in a house in San Francisco. Um, Thirty odd people uh, trying to make this thing work, make, trying to make it, make this thing happen. Um, and I had a lot of good friends, good mentors who pushed me along the way to so that I can be more exposed to uh, software engineering tasks and software engineering projects. Um, and so, choosing to leave that really amazing, fast growing environment was definitely not easy. Um, it it took. It took quite a while to, to come to that point. Um, but one of the things that um, that was uh, really just bouncing around in the back of my mind was, you know, you're living in your hometown now, Tiffany. It's 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 looking like uh, a lot of people are becoming homeless because things are becoming a lot more expensive. Um, how can you give back to your city? How can you give back to your town? Um, that has given you so much when you were growing up. And so uh, I started looking for civic tech um, groups that I could be a part of. Um, so people who were working at the intersection of technology and like uh, civic engagement. I got involved with uh, Code for America for a little bit and then they re uh, referred me to a group called um, the Startup in Residence Program, which connected uh, cities in the Bay Area with um, very discrete technical challenges that they were having and then they paired them up with startups and uh, software engineers who were willing to take on that challenge and start
building a solution for the city from scratch. Um, and that was an amazing opportunity. It would tap into you know, what I learned at Instacart. It would tap into my passion for trying to solve this crazy homelessness problem. Um, and, and it was happening in 2016. So um, my boyfriend uh, at the time, we were also talking about uh, our quote unquote 20 year problem. <laughs> um, and this is a conversation we had asking ourselves, you know, if, if there's a problem that you can devote yourself to, to trying to solve for 20, for the next 20 years of your life, what, what, what kind of problem would that be? Um, and we talked about a lot of different things, but the thing that we both arrived at was homelessness. Um, he had done homeless outreach when he was in, uh, in university. I had done homeless outreach when I was in university. This was a very, uh, uh, upsetting problem for the both of us. And so it just uh, it just all kind of coalesced at the same time. Both of us were wanting to do um, start our own startup again. Uh, there was an opportunity to work with the city to do it. Um, and I finally had the skills to build the product from scratch alongside him. So we both left our jobs <laughs> um, with a little bit of savings uh, coming out of it. And uh, we we left at the same time and uh, joined this program to to start our startup. Tiffany, I, I love I, I love the story and I, I can I can listen to this many many times and and just be so inspired and 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 so grateful to you for for you know be be you know like being so mission driven, seeing the problem and 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 really um, you know going all out right. You you took a big leap. And um, uh, you know, like it, it is for for a lot of people, I would say that is a, an incredibly brave move. And on on top of it, uh, being so mission driven, seeing a problem that is so obvious in San Francisco, and um, a, a big issue that people just kind of step away from or set aside or just ignore, quite quite frankly, uh, from from the conversations, so that you're able to like kind of take that and grapple with it head on. Um, and ignore, I don't mean in a bad way, but kind of most people just kind of walking by, going to the office buildings, it's just kind of, you know, like it's not part of the conversation as much. So um, maybe walk us through so much to dig in and, and maybe walk us through. So now you feel like, you know, you have the right skills, you had, it seems like you've done a lot of these very deep introspective exercises uh, to kind of figure out what is the mission, what is the purpose. And then it seems like that there was the confluence of factors where you learned to code and then you were introduced to these uh, organizations that had a, a, a were mission driven and it just kind of nicely flowed from there. So can you maybe comment on just kind of your process or were you, were you open-minded? Were you looking for this or did you kind of listen to nudges, listen to your inner voice? What, what were some of the things that were guiding you along this journey? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think, there are a few parts that were very serendipitous. There were a few parts that were like um, uh, born from my own frustration. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of person that is driven by frustration and anger uh, where um, I see something that is a problem and wonder why it's not being solved. I see a local homeless guy who's been homeless and I know him um, just because he's always at that street corner for since I was a, a child going to school um, and he was still there when I came back from university. So I thought, you know, what, what is happening? 
about this that makes it so difficult to solve. There's mental health, obviously, um, but are there other elements of it that make this system kind of inefficient? And so I just started asking a lot of questions. I I asked, you know, hey, you know, what is your experience with homelessness in the city? You you just moved into San Francisco. Did you expect this to happen? And I just started talking to people and asking, you know, what what did you what did you what was your experience with it? How did how do you go to work um, avoiding all the human feces on the ground? Do you do it like I do? Um, and just kind of asking if they're experiencing the same thing that I am. Am I am I going crazy? Am I just um, uh, being a, a native from SF thinking, you know, this is just, I'm, I'm just very uh, sensitive to seeing it. And no, this is, you know, this is not normal and this ought not to be normal. And so um, I started pressing onward and asking more and more questions like, oh, are there things that uh, connect people to services? Oh, there are, but not many people are using it. Why? You know, why are these things not reaching people? Um, and, you know, it, once you get connected to once you start asking these questions naturally people i think tend to know oh you're asking these kind of questions i think this person will know um how to answer them or how to uh talk with you about it um and that's kind of how that that process went i don't think i i had a like strategy going into it it just kind of happened naturally to me um and then i was able to see that oh okay if i if i ask questions this way, if I just kind of indulge in my curiosity for a little bit, it, it does naturally flow forward and, and people are willing to just answer your questions. Makes a ton of sense, Tiffany. And and maybe at the at the backdrop of, just to bring back to what you mentioned, like, right, like you, um, uh, both you and your boyfriend had quit their, quit your jobs. You mentioned you had some savings and then you're off into the world talk, having these conversations. At what point did you make that decision in the process of talking, discovery, uh, peeling the onion, so so if if, if you will, uh, like what was that trigger point where you said, you know what, I I feel like this is the problem that I want to solve. I have a path forward. Uh, what was your level of confidence before you made that made that jump? <laughs> I wish I could say there was like a discrete number where we we reached and it was like, oh, we reached seven out of ten questions that we're confident about, and then we just jumped. You know, uh, it, it definitely, unfortunately, doesn't work like that uh, or it didn't work like that for us. Um, I think what what we saw and what we noticed um, had to do with our own background in the, the projects that we did at Instacart and for my boyfriend, fiance now, fiance now. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, was that, and he was working at Get Around. So um, we were both working on data problems that had to do with syncing data from multiple sources. So he was working on um, getting car data from multiple cars and putting it into one system in, in one seamless format. And if you're thinking about like getting data from Hyundai's or getting data from Toyota's, you might get you know different data sets in, 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 in different ways. And you're trying to extract it and transform it and being able to load it in a way that you can use it later. Instacart had a very similar problem where you had to talk to multiple grocers and try to uh, have like a, a catalog that reflects what was in the store, uh, what price it was at at that point, how much stuff 
uh, of that thing was available. So there was a lot of um, data integration problems that we, the both of us were solving. And as we were talking to more and more people in this homelessness space, we quickly realized, oh, it's not just Instacart that has a data integration problem that they have to uh, rise to and try to solve. It's not just get around that has that type of problem either. Homelessness has that type of problem and it's actually a very costly problem to have. Um, because if you don't have that data integration between service agencies, um, what you end up with is duplicative services, duplicative work. Um, people are not organized. Um, you might accidentally end up spending millions of dollars on a particular individual trying to house them over time. Um, and as a result, you it's it's a waste on the system. Um, and the system can be fine-tuned to be uh, to be better. And so when we realized, oh, that's a challenge that exists in homelessness, and we are well poised to try to solve it, that was when we realized, okay, I think we can do this. And then we jumped, <laughs> proverbially. <laughs> Amazing. So it makes a ton of sense. So maybe we we can we can. Um, dive in uh tiffany in terms of you know how you you know you're, you're you're talking with people you're discovering pain points it's time to to build a product and maybe um uh, you know maybe walk us through your process of selecting kind of what where to start solving the problem and then building a technology solution around it uh because i think uh from from, from my limited understanding it is like i think most people get paralyzed that you know, okay, it's a big problem. How do you even approach it? So I'm curious to see how you broke it down into smaller pieces, what you isolated, and then how you started solving for it. Mm -hmm. So, it, yeah, it, it definitely is a huge challenge to tackle. You, what we were very fortunate is that uh, through the program, we had um, uh, a person in the city itself who expressed to us exactly, you know, this is the thing that really bothers me this month or this quarter. And if only this thing were existing, if only there were a solution to this problem that existed, I would just use it. And so they told us, you know, this is this is something I really want. I can't I can't do it. Um, and in that case, it was I, I need to map all the encampments in my in my city and I need to um, know who lives in them so that I can expect when I go out and, and try to find, um, when I go to these encampments again, I know who to expect to find them. And I have a team of you know five other people and we don't just, we, we don't have time to just sit around and say, okay, did you go to this encampment today? And who did you see? I want that to be seamlessly put into a database. And so that was the first um, challenge that we tackled, uh, the outreach aspect of, of um, homeless, homelessness. And, from there, you know, once you satisfy one need, and it's very human, right? Once you satisfy one need, there's always going to be another need and another need and another. And so you just keep uh, tackling one after the other, but also keeping in mind the larger picture where you your goal is to solve homelessness. And so how do you fit those needs to ending homelessness? And how do you, and as, uh, as a co-founder, I think it's very, um, important uh, for the co-founders, especially to have a clear vision, uh, to have clarity about where your end goal is and 
how you want your product to ultimately look and the type of problem that it can solve. And uh, for us, we had to visualize it in terms of a spectrum. So uh, primarily because service agencies in homelessness exist in a spectrum. Uh, some of them deal with outreach, some of them deal with shelters, some of them deal with, and this is getting into the nitty gritty of homelessness itself, but um, that some of them deal with uh, housing navigation to find houses for people experiencing homelessness. And then there are those that deal with landlords or uh, property management to actually uh, have uh, like apartment buildings that are specifically designed for people with disabilities or mental illnesses. Um, and so you have to uh, build tools all along the way uh, if you're solving a data integration problem um, that that can satisfy the needs of all these different players. Um, and so we started at the first piece, which was outreach. Makes uh, makes sense, Tiffany, and and um, uh, amazing. So maybe can you share a little bit about um, you know how how the solution that you're you're building. Uh, is uh, what you're hoping, what is, what is your end vision? What are you building towards? Uh, what are some of the things that, that you're you know, really excited about as, you, as you're building your company, as you're ta tackling all of these different problems? Uh, what is the ultimate vision that you have? Yeah, so homelessness has a data integration problem where you have silos of information that live in different places. People are not talking to each other. That's one piece of it. The other piece of it is um, now, uh, in 2021, people have cell phones, people have uh, smartphones, actually. Um, there's a program that came out of the Bush era, but they're now called uh, Obama phones. Um, people who are experiencing homelessness, people who are low income, they receive phones at uh, severely discounted rates uh, with a data plan, with a cellular plan. People have access to phones. Phones are now um, almost like a utility. They, that's how you get connected to the world. This is how you get services. But technologies in homelessness lag so far behind that we're not tapping into that. Um, the the so-called infrastructure is, is there for communication, but we're not tapping into that to reach out to people experiencing homelessness. And so that's kind of the next phase of Outreach Grid to be able to um, create uh, portals through which they can just message uh, a phone number, uh, a short code, um, and then be able to connect to their case manager or know the status of their, their files or, or know the uh, status of their case um, and be able to get that faster and not have to rely on you know, the energy of the case manager that day or the enthusiasm of the case manager that day um, or the you know, uh, schedule of the case manager that day because most case managers have you know, a lot of cases on their hands and they're overwhelmed as it is. But this is fairly basic information that they should be, that people experiencing homelessness should be able to get. And, you know, there's no reason not to give it to them. And it's just a matter of building the, using the uh, infrastructure that currently exists and passing that information through from a platform that has the data. Fan, uh, uh, fantastic. And I assume um, maybe if you'd be open to touch on some of the challenges with with integrating massive amounts of data uh, into into a product to then make decisions and, and how do you how do you seamlessly do that? Um, it's not easy. Um, so in homelessness, particularly, 
the data infrastructure was conceived about 21 years ago. Um, and in the past 21 years, a lot of things have changed. New technologies have come up, new data. The way that you organize data has changed as well. Um, but we're working with a lot of legacy systems. And uh, luckily at Instacart, I had the experience of doing that where we work with grocers who were um, you know, still using spreadsheets or still using uh, paper and pen to manage their shops. Um, and so we have to be pretty creative in how we uh, source that information. Um, you know, we do things from SFTP uploads uh, where they just drop a file to uh, API integrations where it's like an instantaneous integration. Um, but we have to be able to support, you know, the very technically advanced and the uh, less so <laughs> uh, ones so that um, everyone can have a seat at the table and, and be able to integrate into Outreach Grid. Um, it's a challenge. We're a pretty small team. Um, but luckily, uh, like I mentioned before, my co-founder and I, we were both technical. So we're able to both contribute to the code, both uh, write code, um, but also handle like the, the business side of things, the logistics side of things as well. I was about to say, those are the two words you love to hear, legacy systems. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I mean, it, it, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And, and, it, and it seems that, um, you know, you having the skill set, because I feel like a lot of people get either paralyzed because the problem is so big, you know, they care deeply. Uh, they want to do good, um, but the problem is so big. And you, you know, some people you, you don't maybe even know where to start and kind of breaking the problems. And then uh, mm -hmm. for for other people, for other founders, it could be, I'm really passionate about this problem. You start going into it, but then you realize you don't have the right skills. What you just mentioned, like technical skills. In this case, both on the uh, software engineering side of things as well as the data uh, science side of things, and and that's where they kind of pause in the journey. And in this case, like. Um, but but I assume you didn't you you had the requisite skills, but I assume that you're also learning on a daily basis and evolving and kind of picking up new things. So um, maybe can you share a little bit? First of all, is that true? And then second, um, you know, how do you how do you kind of process all of this information uh, quickly? How are you effective on so many different fronts? And what is your learning process? How do you how do you soak it all up? Mm, good question. <laughs> um... Yeah, it is It is easy to get overwhelmed by a big problem, um, which is why when I say co-founders have to have clarity, it's not a thing really to have, it's a thing to cultivate. Um, it, it's not just something that's kind of magically comes to you one day. It's something that you have to tend to over time, kind of like a garden. Um, it's when, I think when a, pr a problem feels overwhelming. It's because you, one, you don't know all the answers to the challenges that are presented, or two, um, uh, there's, there are things that you don't know you, you don't know, and you're kind of afraid of the, the things that you don't know you don't know. Um, for the first one, I think, uh, you know, if you don't have the, the skills to tackle it, find another type of problem that's in that in in the space that you're looking at. Um, you know, there, there's, I think in homelessness, there's 
there's probably an AI problem somewhere there. There's a machine learning problem that can be solved, but because no, there, there is a problem there, but because you know, we don't yet have the skill set to tackle that problem, you know, we're going to focus on the ones that we can tackle. Um, so that's half of that is, I think, uh, having good mental health and think, you know, I'm going to solve the problems that I can solve and focus on the things I can solve. Um, the other piece of it is just keep talking to people until they tell you their problem. Um, one of the first things uh, I think uh, the, the courses at Yale taught us in entrepreneurship was talk to your customers. Uh, talk to them and see how they complain to you, how they talk to you about their frustrations, either with your product or about just homelessness or whatever challenge you're, you're tackling. Um, uh, you know, whatever is on their mind. And usually because, you know, your customers are the ones who are dealing with the frustrations um, on a day-to-day -day basis, they've thought of ways that they would want the thing to be solved. Um, and they've, they, and your job is to help them gain the clarity of their problem. They might think, oh, um, you know, for problem A, uh, the solution is X. But because of your skill set and your background and your knowledge, you might suggest solution Y, and that might suit both your product and their needs a little better. Um, and that's kind of where that conversation has to happen. Um, and as for learning every day, yeah, you, you have to learn every day. Um, you have to read the news. You have to keep updated about um, uh, all the different changes that are going on. Um, different technologies that are being introduced into the world um, and how you might be able to use that for your product or for your customers. Um, you, you know, that's just, there's no stopping in the learning, which is a good and a bad thing. Um, learning how to, uh, I think learning how to relax is probably a skill that co-founders also need to learn um, to be able to take a, uh, take a break and rest for a little bit before you, you get back on. Um, and and uh, mentally allow yourself to do that uh, so that you can uh, be faster and, and, and more efficient going forward. Fantastic, Tiffany. Thank you for sharing that. Um, maybe uh, just on this on this topic of um, you know you, you've spent so much time researching, understanding pain points, and, and to keep us on the team of of, of of pain points, what are what are some of the um, some of the most common misconceptions you hear from people when they talk about homelessness? And you say, "Well, wait, I spent so much time talking with people, researching it. What are some of the most common misconceptions that you wish people?" wouldn't hold anymore or could be more aware around or what are some of the things that um that jump out to you yeah um i think that there's still some part of the population that think you know homelessness is a problem of laziness um or you're just not strong-willed enough um or that it's a problem of will at all uh that you know why don't you just pick yourself up from your bootstraps and, and, and go find a job? Um, so many factors lead to someone's homelessness. And it's not just, homelessness is, is no longer just the, the condition of not having a home. 
um, or not having a place to stay. It's there's mental health in it, there's substance abuse in it, um, there's family background, family issues that, that are brought with it, there's uh, disabilities that come from uh, having lived, uh, slept rough on the streets for however many years. Um, uh, a lot of it is mental health where they think, you know, they, they, they don't want to live in, in a house anymore. They, they're, they rather be free. Um, and there's also, uh, there's also pride, I think nowadays of like, um, well, I, this is, this is my life now. This is how, what I chose to, to have. Um, and a lot of these, you know, these are, uh, all of these things contribute to why people might stay in homelessness or why people might resist services um, or why uh, even when they have access to services, they, they, they just don't, don't want to go. Um, and that's a sad reality of, of homelessness today. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, people who, today, especially um, with COVID, who are moving out of their uh, apartments and out of their homes and living in their cars. Um, so we see that's kind of an unseen homelessness um, that's that's in growing and that's a little worrying. Um, and you know those a lot of those are economic uh, economically driven. Um, they've lost their jobs. They've um, they just can't uh, uh, keep up with rent, and so they they're living rough uh, in their cars for now, or they're living in their car and also Ubering as well. Um, We've seen a bit of that uh, uh, happening, but none of them have to do with uh, not being strong-willed or or that they were lazy. Um, there's so many, so many uh, different factors for an individual for what keeps them in homelessness, um, and a lot of it, it, a lot of it has to be case managed on a case-to-case -case basis. Makes sense, Tiffany. Uh, uh, and and you know, you mentioned COVID. Um, I know at the at the beginning, um, especially kind of February, March of last year, there, there was like an immediate shock, uh, right? And, and it impacted a lot of people economically. Um, and and uh, it wasn't, you know, it was it was a, it was a dark time. And I think we're still just starting to. It feels like slowly uh, get out of it with lots of uh, structural issues still in play. Um, Maybe can you can you chat a little bit about kind of did did COVID bring some of these issues even more to the forefront of culturally how we take care of um, you know homeless in this case of, of, of people who come from disadvantaged backgrounds of of just kind of has that conversation changed in your mind or um, you know what what is the next leg of that journey in in your view? Yeah, I think um, especially in the very beginning of COVID when uh, masks were in like very high shortage. Um, there was a lot of difficulty in getting masks to homeless populations who, while they are living rough and they, there's open air and everything, they do tend to cluster in groups and they meet each other quite often. And so how do you prevent outbreaks within the homeless community? Um, people were thinking about that, but there, there wasn't really a way to get masks to them because there simply just weren't masks. Um, and then there were considerations for people who were staying in shelters, for example, 
um, how do we make sure that outbreaks don't happen in a shelter? And um, I think COVID kind of rooted out some, uh, just like COVID rooted out a lot of things in our normal day lives that showed like, okay, this is actually kind of problematic. Um, in, in shelters, uh, there were shelters that were being operated in open air um, and uh, exposed to the elements and quite and in quite cramped uh, circumstances. So, you know, beds and cots were very close to each other um, and they, they, shelters have to sort of rearrange how they operate and how they set things up in order to respond to this COVID crisis so that people are properly spaced apart. Um, people had their own space and not like be cramped like sardines. Um, you know, there's, there was a lot of that, a lot of conversations about that. And, and I think generally, it's moved to the positive so that in, in general people are moving to change to accommodate uh, more spaces, uh, more spacing between beds, um, uh, being more mindful of how many people are allowed into the shelter uh, at any, any given time. But that also meant reducing the supply of beds. Um, you know, you have a, a, a warehouse, for example, you can only fit so many beds inside of it. So they have to be mindful of doing that. And so um, it really brought to question how many people can we service at any given time? Um, and how many people can we push through this, uh, this push through a, in any given day so that they can stay at the shelter? Um, and how do we also uh, ask the right questions about people uh, who have been on the streets? Um, have you been exposed to people who might have COVID? Uh, before you come into the shelter. Um, a lot of logistical challenges to, to answering those types of questions. Um, and over the year, or however long we've been doing this thing, um, those are the things that we, we try to work with our customers about. Makes make, it makes sense. And that's like, um, you, know, an you know, the backdrop is incredibly challenging. Uh, and and obviously, and, and it's it feels even even more challenging for um, you know people who need help the most. Um, you know, I feel mm -hmm. like that in terms of you know even financially, jobs like the types of jobs that that uh, went away briefly, uh, slowly coming back. Um, you know, it, it always seems like that these economic upturns and downturns always disproportionately affect the people who are. Um, you know who need who need the most help, and then you know that there's there's this continuous. So I wonder if there's kind of if that changes going forward, that becomes a, a bigger part of the conversation. And Devani, this is where where you have a um, uh, tremendous impact, right? In, in in helping and and clarifying and demystifying, I guess, in a sense of of like the opaqueness around what, what you know where is it, where are people, how do they how are tracking, and then making sure that they're getting the right services. Um, if you if you look towards 2021, like what are some of the things that that you're most excited about, like in terms of the uh, the impact that you're hoping to have, um, you know how you um, you know how you're planning for things to evolve, big things on your uh, on your mind. Yeah, um, super excited about the vaccine. Um, <laughs> I think the vaccine is giving a lot of people hope that you know the economy can open again, um, and just hope in general. Um, I think a lot of people have been very affected by COVID being, you know, being at home, um, not, not getting to interact with people. Um, a lot of 
homeless, even in homelessness, there's a lot of homeless outreach that kind of got stalled because of it. Um, and so that human to human connection, I hope uh, it'll, it'll come back soon. Um, and with hope, I think people would feel more abundant again, that they can uh, explore new ideas and new ways to help the homeless rather than feel overwhelmed by the current situation of dealing with COVID and delivering meals to, to people. Um, and, and you know, that's all that they can do. That's all that, 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 that their mind can um, just handle. And that's completely fair. And that's completely, that completely makes sense, right? It's, it's just very overwhelming um, to have to think about this crazy disease that's going on. Um, and just doing all your, using all your energy to, to keep the pace and make sure that not, not, not more people fall through the cracks. Um, I think what COVID in 2021 will uncover, and uh, I've, I've already started seeing this happening a little bit more, is people have left um, their homes and they're living in their cars. Getting those people back on their feet and back into a home is, uh, it's huge because the the longer that you stay in homelessness, the longer that you, um, uh, you know, experience homelessness, um, the harder it is to get you out of it. So um, the sooner that we can tackle these folks who are new, uh, who have newly fallen into homelessness back on their feet, the the less strain, the less stress there is on the system, um, and you know, hopefully the healthier and happier that the people can be. And Tiffany, what would be your, your call to action um, for us, anybody who's listening, uh, in terms of you know, the best ways to help given where we are today? Uh, are there uh, you know, kind of resources that you would recommend or what, what, is, what, what in your mind is the best way to, to be supportive and help? Yeah, um, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Tiffany at outreachgrid.com. Um, I try to do mentoring sessions on Fridays for people who are, you know, they're, they're just starting out on their uh, startup adventure, uh, their startup journey. Um, they're thinking about a product that they want to build. They just want to, you know, uh, bounce ideas off of me. I'm happy to do that. That's, um, I've been trying to do that more uh, since, since COVID started. Um, because you know face-to-face -face interactions are a little bit difficult, but we can still do webcam stuff like that. Um, so you know if you if you're starting out on your journey, you're you're thinking about doing this project or that project, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about my experience, um, whether it's learning to code, uh, making the proverbial jump, um, the challenges that I, I I faced along the way in 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 creating a company. You know, happy to talk about all that. Fantastic, uh, Tiffany, and and I guess like a follow-up question to that, uh, specific maybe to to um, to the to the issue that you're tackling around homelessness. Are there are there quick kind of things that people can do um, today to be supportive, uh, uh, whether it's for you or the or the or the ecosystem that is that is working really hard to solve this problem? For sure, um, there's so many great service agencies out there that do good work. Um, that are nonprofits in your cities that you might not know about. Um, generally, these nonprofits, they do a lot of work uh, behind the scenes. They don't have too much of a marketing budget to let you know about the great work that they do. That's something that we're trying to change at Outreach Grid to help them promote that. But 
definitely look into uh, local nonprofits for uh, homelessness, whether it's an outreach or shelter operations. Um, there's there's great uh, people out there doing great work in the background, very quietly, but doing great work. Um, your local city officials are also doing great work. Homelessness is on top of mind for almost every single city um, manager and every chief of police right now. Uh, it's just a huge problem that it is that they're thinking about, and they're very they're very empathetic about it. They're very thoughtful about it. Um, continue supporting them. Write them letters, letting them know this is something that this is, a, this is something that you care about as well. Um, and yeah, uh, if you if you think that um, Outreach Grid might be right for any of those agencies that you talk to, feel free to let them know about Outreach Grid and feel free to let me know that you talk to them. Fantastic, uh, Tiffany. And and uh, what will be your your rallying cry, uh, call to action for for builders in 2021? Uh, mine would be to take you up on your generous offer and and make sure they get feedback and and connect with you more closely. But uh, what what are your some what, what what would you leave our audience with? I think 2021 has shown that moving to digital formats is the way to go. People are doing their business through webcams nowadays. People are engaging with each other through collaborative workspaces. Um, there's a whole like productivity space to to uh, tackle. There's a, there's a whole mental health space to tackle. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of problems that have come through that are currently being trying to be solved through technology because of COVID and just be, just open your ears and open your eyes to these problems and don't be afraid to build. Just, just start building. I love that. Tiffany, thank you so, so much for your time, uh, advice, uh, guidance, knowledge. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Bronco, pleasure talking to you.